Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the fan. Hey, welcome back to the Patrick Morning Show. It's 7.59. Uh, but hey, Zacho, uh, I'm hoping that we already have the stream up and running. Can people watch us at kfan.com slash watch yet? Is that a possibility? Can uh, we sure can. I, I'd we love sure it. Can. I would love that. Uh, uh, tune in because you're going to want to tune in for the segment. Uh, what a week on the Power Trip Morning Show. Yesterday, we met our friend Allie Ray, and uh, that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, totally different 8 o'clock hour today. Uh, uh, Tommy's gone, by the way, for the for the, uh, for the the day. He was in, had a good time. Uh, and don't forget, you can also still go do the Partner in Hope thing at 1-800-303-1135. Uh, become a partner in Hope with St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, and you'll be qualified for that fantastic Vikings versus Packers um, package. But right now, we have uh, two very special guests. Uh, we have Raymond Wilson and Bruce Richardson, who've written a book. Uh, it's available right now on Amazon. Great gift for the holidays. It's called Brothers. Uh, I know Bruce uh, because of uh, I, over the last year, I've been lucky enough to be a part of a show called What's Going On? The Music of the Vietnam Era with the fabulous Arbandillos. And I told you a, a couple of times, Saucy, we've talked about yeah. this a lot, that we have some veterans that come up and tell their story in between songs. And Bruce Richardson is one of those veterans. Bruce, so great to see you. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. Great to be here, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for making the time. Uh, Raymond, I'd never met you until this morning, but Raymond Wilson, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you coming in as well. Looking forward to getting to know you a little bit. Uh, you're more than welcome, sir. Okay, so... Uh, you guys were asking uh, how we were going to do this today, what we were going to talk about today. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have done radio shows to promote the book yet or not, but basically it's like this. Uh, outside of uh, dropping horrible uh, curse words, you can say whatever you want on the show, yeah. so feel free to let you... <laughs> Tommy got all those out yeah, of his yeah. <laughs> But I, I, we, I really wanted to have you gentlemen in because I, um, I, I want to talk about the book and I want to uh, sell some books for you because I think it's a fascinating um, a, a, you know, idea for a book. But I also want to talk to you about your service in Vietnam. So we're just going to have a conversation if you guys are okay with that. We're good. Fantastic. Absolutely. So uh, whichever of you want to uh, uh, go first, please. In fact, you know what? Let's just go. Bruce, you go first. Tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me about your service in Vietnam and uh, uh, everything from your rank and uh, what divisions you were in and such like that. Okay. Uh, I was a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Wow. And uh, wow. that was part of what, you know, my whole thing in writing the book, part of it was I had a dream. And when I was five years old, I said I wanted to go to West Point. And everybody said, yeah, kid, right. Huh. And I was a poor kid, so, you know, I just ignored everybody. And uh, by the time I got the appointment from John O. Pastore, who was Mr. Democrat in the Senate uh, from Rhode Island, and that was that was part of my, my start. Uh, after that, uh, four years at West Point, uh, went Airborne Ranger, uh, those were the first two big deals in the service. Uh, then I joined the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And then uh, after that, went to Vietnam, uh, spent 364 days there. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And, <laughs> and then uh, after that, went to Fort Carson, Colorado. And I was there only to ski and to have a good time. Uh, unfortunately, I got mixed up with a bunch of gung-ho army people. Mm -hmm. uh, commanded an artillery battery there. And uh, it was a great time. So that's basically through the Army career. Wow. Okay. Could you, would you mind telling me, uh, um, what year were you there, the 364 days? What, uh, what time were you in Vietnam? It was from Tet of oh. 69 to Tet of 70. So that's February, March time frame uh, through 69 and 70. Wow. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, time frame and, and, and everything you went through over there and also your life before and after uh, Vietnam. Uh, but Raymond, uh, please uh, do the same for us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, absolutely. I um, grew up in a small town in New Jersey and I uh, always wanted to be a pilot. Uh, since like Bruce, I started dreaming at about five years old and my 
family looked at me like I was an idiot or <laughs> very, very dumb. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of um, put that deep into my brain for a long time. And I went to a small teacher's college in New Jersey, <laughs> about, oh, 10 miles from where I lived. So I hadn't traveled very far in my life. <laughs> So I always wanted to fly. So I was going to be a, a, a history teacher. And I, as my, about my junior year, I decided, you know, God, do I really want to do this? So I said, what do I really want to be? I said, I want to be a pilot. So I went, looked at a map and found some airports in the local area and went out there and knocked on a couple doors or opened doors that were, tried to open some doors that were locked. and. Hmm. I went to like three airports, and then on the fourth one, uh, I walked into this airport. I was like 20 years old, and the guy looked at me, and he goes, um, what do you want? And I said, I want to learn how to fly. And the guy looked at me and said, wait here. So I've kind of heard that before. So Sure. I wasn't going to move. So I went and sat down and grabbed a couple magazines. About 20 minutes went by, and this really short little guy comes in looks at me and says what do you want and i go i want to learn how to fly and he says when do you want to start and i went today <laughs> and he goes i go yeah let's do it <laughs> so that happened to be the first time that i was ever in an airplane was the first time i flew an airplane wow wow so it was just amazing i was hooked forever so <clears throat> I proceeded to get my uh, private pilot's license after about, it took me about a year. And I was kind of like running out of money <laughs> to go on to get all the other ratings that you need. So I uh, was talking to my instructor and he says, uh, you to try the military. So I tried the Navy and I found out that I needed glasses. Oh, my. So I went, oh. Gosh, darn. So I was talking to a couple of other people and they said, you know, Army has things that fly. <laughs> 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 and they don't care that you don't see very well. <laughs> Just as long as they can put glasses on your face. <clears throat> uh, they'll take you in if you can pass the test. So I went down to the Army recruiter that day and started the procedures, got the tests out of the way, passed them all. And uh, before I knew it, I was down in Fort Polk, Louisiana for basic training. Wow. Wow. And uh, that kind of kicked my butt <laughs> a bit. And from there, we went uh, to uh, Fort Walters, Texas for basic helicopter training. And then six months there, and then another six months in uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama. And then I graduated. And I graduated from flight school in uh, 1970, July. No, actually June 1970, I graduated. And I was just a basic helicopter pilot. And on July 7th, 1970, I was in Vietnam. Wow. Oh. How long were you in Vietnam? Uh, 365. Five days. Raymond, real quick, going back at, uh, um, to in your story there, I, I would imagine, uh, for people not watching on KFAN.com slash watch, uh, it wasn't uh, um, an easy thing for an African-American young man to, to uh, be accepted when you walked up to those people. I bet a lot of those doors that closed were because of the color of your skin. Oh, absolutely. I... I made up my mind that I was not going to let anything uh, persuade me or limit my opportunities. Yeah. And so I would find somebody. If they said no, I'd go, okay, good for you, but I'm going on. Perseverance, man. Wow. Yeah, oh, right. absolutely. Uh, Bruce, wow. how does it make you feel that all he needed was a pair of glasses to fly you around in helicopters? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's one of the things Ray and I have in common. I mean, when people ask how can you guys be brothers? 
And, uh, you know, we both wear glasses. So yeah, that's it. That's, that's part of, that's part exactly of the deal. Like yeah, that's what I told them during the break. I said, no Maury show needed. I mean, I see the family resemblance. Uh, I've got so many questions about your service, but let's first, though, talk about the book. As you mentioned, it's called Brothers. You guys are brothers. You didn't know each other in Vietnam. Uh, how, did you, how did you meet? How did you become best friends? And why did you write the book? Well, we... Uh, we had a thing going over at the Minnesota Humanity Center. Uh, I didn't even know we had a Humanity Center, but one day I got a call, and they said, we're doing a thing called Minnesota Remembers <laughs> Vietnam. And I was doing this. It was a gathering of Vietnam vets, and actually any anybody was invited in, but it was mostly Vietnam guys and uh, and mostly guys. And we, we were getting together on a Wednesday morning. But one day I got a phone call and uh, this guy says to me, he says, hey, I can't make your Wednesday morning meetings. Uh, is there a, a way we could get together? Just have some coffee and talk. And that's the way it got started. And so Ray and I met at Dunn Brothers Coffee. Mm. I don't know if that had anything to do with the title or not. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we started at Dunn Brothers and we just started talking. And and I a little vignette on the side here. Uh, uh, we were also I was talking to people from uh, the uh, public radio, and the public radio people. Woman called me one day, and uh, Katie Carpenter, and Katie said one of my friends is running a show, and she has five people from the Vietnam era talking on the show, and and she'd like to ask you about what she should do, what her next step was. Well. I said, well, why don't we just have coffee? Ray and I are meeting. Uh, guy, I don't know, but uh, we'll let's just have coffee and we can talk about it. So uh, Amy and I had a coffee, and I, Ray and I had agreed to meet. And since all white guys look alike, uh, <laughs> I, I put on a USMA, United States Military Academy hat. I said, this is the way Ray is going to recognize me. <laughs> and she and I had been talking, and I thought she wanted me for the show. I thought this was an interview. Uh, turns out it was not. She says, here's what I got. And she explained the other four people, that, and she wanted one more. And uh, she said, what am I missing? Well, she already had a Marine. She had an Air Force guy. She had uh, a Hmong uh, person. And then she, she said, what am I missing? I said, well, what you're missing is a black Army officer. And she looked over my shoulder and Ray walked in the door, and she said, I think your guy just walked in the door. I said, no, your guy just walked in the door. And Ray was on that show, and he was the star. And that was actually public television, and it was, wow. it was great. It really was fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they like you know, we we we're just radio, but you yeah. guys do have faces for television. <laughs> yeah. so, be way better on TV. So so tell me uh, what the book is about, if you don't mind, Ray. Well, the book is about uh, two guys that met here in Minnesota, and we grew up like maybe five five hundred miles apart. Hmm. Uh, we joined the army for about the same reasons in our life, and we. Went through. I went through twenty-two years in the military, and um, Bruce went through what about eight eight years yeah. in the military wow. <clears throat> before he went to civilian life. And uh, so the book is about two guys and how we came together, but it's also about <clears throat> how diversity and equity is important in uh, the lives of everyone in in this country and especially in minnesota not especially in minnesota but in minnesota and it, it brings out that one everybody can do whatever they want to do and i think that is the most important thing about our book hmm. you know i i as i as i mentioned i, I want to talk about your service and, and what you guys went through in vietnam but the thing i'm always struck by and and, and i wish that our buddy john creaso was with us uh, today but uh, you know john's uh, having his uh, procedure this morning. We love yep. you, John, uh, because I, 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 I think it's a, a fascinating concept that you guys went through uh, 365 or 364 days of things I can't even imagine. Mm. Uh, I, I wonder how, because you've both been very successful and had long lives post-Vietnam, and that one year, though, uh, 
it had to have refocused everything in your life. And I, and I, I wonder because, Bruce, when we do the, the what's going on, the Vietnam show with the fabulous armadillos, you're up there telling your stories and you're telling the stories as if they happened yesterday. Do you feel like it happened yesterday? Do you feel like those 364 days shaped your entire life after you left? That's a great question, Chris. It, it never goes away. And, uh, you know, it, you, you just can't push these things out. Well, I just want to step back just one second, though. What, what brought us together as we started talking, the word coochie probably oh. doesn't mean anything to anybody. <laughs> it does to Max. Yeah, it, means, it means the world to me. <laughs> Every, yes, yes. I have a tattoo of it. I just can't show you. <laughs> what does it mean to you? Well, coochie is a little town in Vietnam. And it's where the 25th Infantry Division uh, had their headquarters. Now, the, the base camp is this huge, I mean, 25,000 people. Uh, and I, was, I worked to the west of it, uh, all the way to the Cambodian border. And Ray used to fly into it. So wow. when we sat down to talk, that was the thing that grabbed us. Mm. If you mentioned Chi Vietnam, and you've been there, that, we were automatically brothers. Wow. Yeah. wow. Is there any chance that you were on his helicopter ever? Probably not. Okay. No, All beca right. Because I was out of Vietnam. We we missed each other in Vietnam by a month or so. No a month. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. One month. Wow. Yeah. So we could have been there. And I, in fact, Ray mentions that in the book, too. He wow. could have been flying me in and out of some combat assignment. But uh, that was that was the thing that really kicked it off. So it was Coochie, Vietnam. And then all of the things that we did after that, there were so many similar things. Ray got shot down in a helicopter. I got shot down in a helicopter. Oh, my. And we both lost some of our best friends over there. Mm. Sheesh. Uh, can you tell me, uh, before we end uh, this button bar, I apologize. When you're talking about Coochie, Vietnam, um, when you were in Coochie, Vietnam, what, were, did you ever feel safe, if you know what I mean? Like when you were in a big giant base like that, were you technically safe then? And did you feel like you were? Oh, yeah. Huh? I I felt pretty safe. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My job as a helicopter pilot was to go out where the war was. Yeah. Where I lived was reasonably pretty safe mm. because we had to do our maintenance. We had all, you know, our helicopters were parked there and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of lived there. And the Army says you got to get some sleep so <laughs> before you go out each day. But, yeah, it was like I went to the war uh, when I was... Uh, I was in a place called uh, Benoit, which is north of Saigon, but I flew all over uh, from the central highlands all the way down to the uh, South China Sea. It, it was a kind of an amazing, amazing year because of that. But I've, like, we worked for the 25th Infantry Division and flew into Kuchi to pick up troops, to pick up supplies, and to do all those kind of things. So... I got to know where every place, all the fire support bases, all the little camps, and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know the people personally, but I was the guy that brought out their mail, their food, their replacements. I brought them home back to to base camp so they can go home or go on R and R and all that kind of stuff. So, wow, yeah. Uh, when we're going to break uh, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to to Bruce and Raymond about actual uh, the stories of Vietnam and, and being there, what it was like for them. And uh, uh, the book, by the way, is called Brothers. It's available right now on Amazon. A great present for the holidays. Bruce Richardson, Raymond Wilson, are our guests. Guys, stay right there for me if you would. As we go to break, though, I'm very excited to bring into the fold. I wasn't sure this was going to get to happen today because I knew there, were, there was treatment going on. And there's a game on Saturday this week. But thanks to our friends at Hy-Vee, Alexander Madison, running back Minnesota Vikings on the phone. How are you, Alexander? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I, honestly, though, how is your ankle? I mean, how, how's the injury? How are you recovering this week? Uh, doing good. Taking it day by day, but uh, it's feeling feeling better each day. Alexander, hey, it's meets us. I asked Ben Lieber about a half hour ago when we had him on uh, how much it would mean to this team to get off to a hot start on Saturday in Cincinnati. What would that do for an offense that's had a, a little bit of a struggle getting into the end zone the past couple of games? Uh, it would be big, you know. It's one of those things you, to capture momentum in this league is huge. So uh, for us, if we can do that early on, start out fast and, uh, you know, early and often, as I like to say with the 
marrying up the run in the past game and, and getting offense going. I think it'll be uh, one of those days for us where we can, you know, stay ahead of the chains, one of those days where we can capture that momentum early and, and keep it rolling. That'll be good for us. Uh, when you guys went out onto the field on Sunday, how great was it to see about 80% Vikings fans as opposed to barely any Raiders fans? Oh, it was amazing. Um, you know, the support that we get from our fan base is um, one of a kind. You know, I, I think, you know, it, it, not just uh, the fact that they travel well, but just the support that they show clear across um, through uh, the times of ups and downs um, is, is uh, something that we don't take lightly. Yeah, and Alexander, you know, up until the you got the entry there, man, you were just clobbering people mm-hmm. on Sunday. That was great to see. I mean, uh, the the running game was really, really working. Uh, hoping that you're you're back to being healthy enough to keep clobbering people like that uh, this week. Do you think you can run against the Cincinnati Bengals team? Oh yeah, most definitely felt good to be out there. You know, running behind the line and getting uh, my wheels under me. Um, just you know, one of those unfortunate things that happened. So. Um, yeah, just trying to, you know, look forward to healing up and, get, and getting back right. But uh, looking at the defense that, you know, we're, we have faced up against us, they definitely allowed for some uh, some some runs to hit on them. So it, it does look uh, very exciting in the run game. If we can uh, get going up front with the with our guys up front, you know, they uh, they like to pound guys at this, uh, this point in the season. You know, we, we take pride in that. So if they can get up front and get those guys moving up some holes in, you know, um, all day long, we'll be able to hit those holes and uh, make some big plays in the run game. Last question for our buddy uh, Alexander Madison on the phone, uh, Minnesota Viking running back. Thanks to our friends at Hy-Vee. Uh Nick Mullins, your starting quarterback this week. This is a guy you know very, very well. How confident are you in how he's going to do on Saturday against the Bengals? I'm extremely confident. He's one of those guys that uh, prepares like no one else. Um, you know, one of the first one in, last one out type of guys. He's walking through plays, he's reciting plays to himself uh, throughout the day, throughout the building, and after. Um, he's just one of those guys that just is an extremely uh, locked-in uh, person when it comes to uh, their job, and, and that's before this opportunity, you know. So for him to, to be that type of player, that type of person, that type of leader, uh, you have nothing but trust in him and trust in his ability to go out there and uh, lead this team to a victory. I got you on 220 yards and three TDs on Saturday, wow. Alexander. How do you feel about that? <clears throat> <laughs> I appreciate that. It sounds like some uh, some magic. It does. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. All right. There you go. Appreciate it. Alexander Madison, running back, Minnesota Vikings. We'll get back to our buddies, Bruce and Raymond, after this. Power Trip Morning Show, 820 on the fan. We'll on the fan. Welcome back, Patrick Morning Shows. Thank you uh, for sticking through the break. Uh, you got anything back there, Zacho? Anything you need to say or tell people about anything? Other than the fact that the Power Hour is on KFA.com slash watch, powered by Quantum Fiber. Fantastic. Check us out right now. And you will see our two very special guests. Again, one more Thank segment. Uh, the rest of the show, no commercials. Uh, we've got the, the authors of the, movie, uh, of the book, Brothers. Oh, hold on. We're back on the air over there. Somebody let them know we're back on over there. There we go. Bruce Richardson and Raymond Wilson. Instead of the uh, the authors of the book Brothers, which is available right now on Amazon, a great Christmas gift. You could go on there. Is it um, um, Bruce or, or Raymond? Either one of you? Um, is it in any bookstores anywhere? Are you guys doing any signings or anything like that? Uh, we're we're just starting that off right now, Chris. We're we're getting into signings and getting into bookstores. Uh, we we've got an interview uh, this afternoon with uh, a woman who's written for the Pioneer Press for twenty six years. So wow. we're we're starting now. Uh, the thing we were talking about before we got the headphones back on, we, we've been big Vikings fans for a long time. And uh, I, I just wanted to mention that when I was a cadet at Yankee Stadium, we played Notre Dame. And there was a guy who played line for Notre Dame. His name was Alan Page, Whoa. I think that name was. No kidding. And one of my classmates was our fullback, ran through the line, and Alan Page stood him up. And knocked him back on his butt. And uh, I had never been so impressed with a player. And then to come to Minnesota and find out he was part of the Purple People Eater, that was that was great times. So, yeah, yeah, he's one of the best. What a player. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, of course, Justice Paid. Yes. Yeah, how about that? Uh, yeah. What a life. And, and again, going back, you know, that's something we talked about before the break about, about you know, Vietnam. And uh, that's 1969 and 1970 for you guys. And you've both had such successful 
fantastic lives and successful lives after. Um, and, and, you know, I'll start with you this time, Raymond, and, and asking you uh, about uh, what your success and, and your life after Vietnam, how much do you credit your service with who you became, if you know what I mean? Uh, yes, I do. And um, it's all, of, it's actually all of me. Um, joining the military, being in the Army and being a helicopter pilot was my dream uh, for my life. And for 45 years, I earned my living from the training that I got in Vietnam or from the training I got in the Army. And I went from Vietnam to Germany. And um, from Germany, I got to see that part of the world. And then I went back to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a different story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then I went back to Germany again. And I had such various careers uh, opportunities in the Army. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, the first time I was in an artillery unit, so... We did a lot of courier flights around Germany, so I got to see that. The second time I was in Germany, I was in uh, another, uh, well, an ordnance unit. And I flew all over uh, NATO countries in uh, Europe and uh, Belgium and Holland and uh, all just all over. And then I <clears throat> got back to Kansas again, and I was a medevac pilot in a medevac unit, and I got to uh, uh, Central America, got to Honduras. Holy moly. Wow. And I flew there for quite a bit, and then back to Germany, and I was with an armor unit, <laughs> tanks. <laughs> and then I went uh, to California, and when I was in California, I was really in Panama. Wow. So, uh, I got to fly uh, throughout... Uh, uh, just caused operation just caused and i got to fly into columbia and oh just about all over that area of the country when so. you when you were flying in columbia did, did were you ever under fire no we okay. did not right. we did not get shot at there but i was working for the uh dea <laughs> that's what i was wondering um, okay yeah, yeah. okay got oh, it. i got, got it. it yeah yeah understood yeah, yeah. Oh. wow yeah. what yeah. A, and and then i mean geez louise that's that's more than that's like eight lifetimes. That, yeah, that's, yeah, seriously, that's incredible. And then, am I right? Did you start working for Northwest at some point as well? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, when I uh, got got back from you know from Panama, it was time to retire. I had twenty two years in and oh. uh, didn't want to go out camping anymore. <laughs> 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 so, <clears throat> excuse me. I made uh, it took about thirty applications, uh, resumes out, and uh, I got three job offers. And uh, one was in Togo, <laughs> in Africa, and one flying, and one was in uh, the Marshall Islands, flying around there, and then Northwest Airlines gave uh, offered me a job as a flight instructor. And uh, since I didn't have a lot of airplane time, just a lot of helicopter time, and I was flying two-engine uh, helicopters, they said, well, why don't you come and teach two-engine airplanes? Wow. <laughs> so I did that for about, um, oh, about five years or so, six years, and I got all my airplane ratings, and Northwest had an uh, uh, internal hiring program. So I applied, and got there and one of the reasons why is because northwest had just uh settled a age discrimination suit <laughs> <laughs> and since i was an older guy by then <laughs> uh i applied so they 
and I had all the requirements and I'd been working for them. So they said, sure, you can go. So I flew 727s until they retired. And Jeez, then I flew uh, sideways, second officer on 747s. I, wow. And again, imagine, and obviously, Raymond, you've thought about this a lot, but if you hadn't gone to that fourth airport, Oh yeah! If you had stopped right. after three, yeah. right. I mean, imagine. Look at what you've done. That, that incredible! Wow. I would probably still be in New Jersey right now. <laughs> wow. Only have gone that ten miles, right? <laughs> or, or, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you might have gone to Vietnam as a grunt. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Which, or a grunt. Which, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. how, um, how much different is it flying a helicopter than an airplane? Quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Quite a bit. Except, uh, you know, landing and taking off in a helicopter is really very different. Yeah. Really very different. But once you get it up in the air, it all flies the same. Yeah, good point. Yeah. I, you, Ray, still you need to tell these guys a story when you joined Northwest Airlines after you'd been there a while uh, about the Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah. I can see this, by the way, 100%. I just want you to know. <laughs> I can see it. I can already <laughs> figure out where it's going. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, one of my students, <clears throat> when I was teaching, I was teaching seven. Uh, 57s. And uh, then from there, I went to uh, basic indoctrination. So I had new hires all, you know, for two weeks for a couple of years. And they were really, really great people. Northwest hired some really good pilots. So anyway, one of my students came back and told me after he had completed all the training and he was in Detroit that he was uh, walking down the corridor, you know, at the airport in, in Detroit, and he saw this guy, and he thought it was me. So he goes up to him, and he says, Ray Wilson, what are you doing in Detroit? And the guy looks at him, Danny Glover, and says, who's Ray Wilson? I've got to tell you, as I'm looking at you right now, no, we just put up a picture side by side. Well done, Zach. I can oh. see it. That is, uh, that is on the right there. That's, That's Danny Glover on the left. That is yeah. uh, Raymond Wilson. Well, he's younger than I am, so he looks like me. To Bruce, uh, for a moment, and I know, Max, you had a question, and I, I want to... Um, to get back to, to uh, Raymond again to talk about being shot down in a helicopter, um, we've heard what he did in Vietnam. I know what you did, Bruce. Uh, I'm fascinated by it. You went to West Point. You come out an officer. When you got to Vietnam, what was your job? Uh, originally, I was a, still a lieutenant, and I had uh, guaranteed my mother that I would get some cushy desk job, and it would be really cool. Uh, but as a lieutenant, and especially as a senior lieutenant, I never thought I'd get the assignment I did. And I was assigned as a forward observer with a tank company at first. Wow. Uh, and then I worked with that company until I made captain. Uh, lots of firefights, being shot at, all that fun stuff. But the fact is that once I made captain, I became the liaison officer for that, that battalion. And so that's a step up. And I flew all the time. And then one day, a guy comes out and he says, we got a new assignment for you. Now, the assignment where I was was along Highway 8 Alpha, which went up to the Saigon River, uh, from the Saigon River up to uh, the Godaha Bridge. And this was a, I don't know, it wasn't a bad assignment. We were always in contact in the Hobo Woods. But uh, this new outfit I was assigned to was in contact every single day. I mean, this, this was, a, they were called the 1st of the 5th Infantry, the Bobcats, and they were run by a colonel, Bob Kurek. And Colonel Kurek was the highest, most highly decorated enlisted man to come out of the Korean War. Oof. Then he went to OCS. And by this time, he was a lieutenant colonel running a battalion in Vietnam. And this guy was the greatest. And so Colonel Bob Kurek and I flew all over Vietnam. And that was the time when I got shot down. And in my particular case, I had been uh, on the radio one night calling in some fire and uh, a voice comes up behind me and says, gives me my call sign. And he says, you don't know what you're doing. And it was one of my best friends from West Point. <laughs> and Gary and I lived very close together in Massachusetts. Uh, he, his wife had just had a baby. And uh, we just <clears throat> had a few beers that night and uh, just talked about what, what we were both going through. Well, he had made Captain 2, and he was about to take over an infantry company. And uh, 
a week later, the sergeant major came up to me and told me that Gary had been killed. Oh, oh man. And that was, that's one of those things that Ray and I both went through, losing really good friends. Uh, and then Colonel Keurig and I were out flying a couple of days later, and uh, some guy was shooting at us. He, he had killed our, our point man and taken his M60 machine gun and pointed up at us and shot the tail rotor off. And the helicopter was on fire. It crashed. And uh, I said, you guys, this thing's on fire. We got to get out of here. And they were already low crawling away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, But I couldn't leave without my radio. I never went anywhere without that radio. And I'm so I'm trying to pull it. It had been stuck in the chopper. I'm trying to pull it out. It's on fire. And Colonel Keurig says, Bruce, leave the damn, pardon me. That's okay. Leave, leave the radio. Uh, I'll get you a new one. <laughs> Fifteen oh. minutes later. Uh, and I just want to mention, this was amazing because when we were shot down with all the shooting that was going on, all of a sudden, it was totally quiet. The silence was totally amazing. And we got back to our guys, and then the fighting started again. And 15 minutes later, we're back up in the air and taking those guys out. Wow. And, by the way, we got our M60 back. Uh, as, as the as the helicopter's going down, did you think this is it? Uh, yes, and that was that was the interesting part that brought me back to God. Uh, that was my first prayer in a long time. Hmm. And I said, if I get out of this thing, and what I the way I tell the story, it literally brought me back down to earth because I had been doing some crazy things, and I'd been doing it for the wrong reasons. When Gary was killed, I started killing for revenge, and Gary would not wanted would not have wanted me to do that, and so I stopped doing that. Went back to protecting my guys, and wow. and it got better. I, I don't know how I don't know how you don't feel that way after yeah, a while. Right. I, you talk about that during the. Uh, the, the what's going on show about um, uh, coming to terms with the idea that the person across from you who's trying to kill you is just another guy trying to do his job. Yeah. And, and another guy about my age from a little town, probably somewhere, you know, in North Vietnam and with a family, with a girlfriend. And how can you do that? Yeah. Hmm. How, if I, if I, if I may ask, Please go ahead. Um, what, what kind of was that hard to deal with emotionally the first time that you had to make that choice? Like it's, it's me or it's him. What kind of went through your head the first time you had to do that? It's, it's really an interesting question because, um, I went to a shrink before I went to Vietnam mm -hmm. in New York city. And I, I said to him, I said, am I crazy for wanting to do this? And he said, no, you're a professional soldier. And after mm -hmm. all that training, I was a professional soldier, and you had to find out whether or not it worked. That was his, those were his words to me, mm -hmm. and it works. And when you're in the middle of it, you don't even think about it. You just act. It's that, that's really true? Wow. You're just on automatic pilot, kind of? Yeah, raise the automatic <laughs> pilot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. How, how, how did both of you, and either one of you can speak, how did... How did you transition out of that? And I would assume that there's a lot of people who were there a lot longer and had a lot tougher time. How, and maybe that's something you speak to other soldiers about, but how did you begin the healing process of talking and getting yourself out of that hell you were in? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, when I left Vietnam, i got home to Philadelphia, but uh, when I went through uh, Travis Air Force Base in California to get, uh, go through customs and, uh, you know, start that road back home, I went through customs and it was like three in the morning. And, you know, I, about 30 hours ago, I was in Vietnam and five days before that, I was still flying missions. Unbelievable. And uh, so this customs guy is, going through my bag, you know, and he looks at me and he goes, uh, where are you going? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And I go, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, are you flying out of San Francisco airport? And I go, yes, I am. And he says, you get there before 8 o'clock in the morning. And I went, okay. And I was like confused. And so I got there about six in the morning. So I went up to the USO and, and they have facilities for shower and changed into a clean uniform. So my mother wouldn't see me in, you know, yeah. And I came down the steps <clears throat> to the main lobby and there was out in the front was all these protesters. Excuse me. Yeah, feel free. <clears throat> and the soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines had to really go through a gauntlet going up there. And I, I feel no animosity toward them. They were doing the, their job, you know, and I was doing mine. But anyway, I, I got home and there was my mom and we got big hugs and crying and all that kind of stuff. And I got out to my car and I had a little MG that I bought in basic Ooh. training. When everybody else was buying Corvettes, I was I bought an, <laughs> 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 an MG, and I was so happy to see that and my mom. So anyway, it happened to be rush hour, and I you know pull out and I haven't driven, <laughs> you know, oh, wow. so I'm not that good. <laughs> So a traffic jam and a taxi cab almost runs into us, or I almost run into them. And I throw open the door and I call this guy everything but a child of God. <laughs> I, you know, use everything. So I get back in the car and I went, oh, my mom. And I looked over at her and she looks at me and she goes, Raymond, your language has changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on the way home, I was, you know, the 40 minute drive, I started thinking, God, darn, I'm, I'm not in war anymore. I got to. So that's oh. when I started yeah. uh, the recovery. And I had a similar experience, a little bit different, though. Uh, my language was pretty salty. <laughs> I, I mean, I was using profanity, every other word just about. And uh, one night I got a, I, when I was the battery commander at Fort Carson, I got a call from a kid down at the bus station. He'd gone AWOL, and that was not good for our unit. So he says, can you pick me up? So I said, sure. So I picked him up. I cussed him out there, took him back to the barracks, cussed him out again. <laughs> Next morning, he comes into my office, and he, I, I chewed him out royally using a lot of profanity. And he, he salutes me. He had found Jesus at the bus station. And he salutes me, and he says, Captain Richardson, God loves you. I said, and I used more profanity and told him to get out of my office. Well, but that woke me up. And I, and I started a transition right there. That, that was part of the transition. But when he, and he was a good kid, Article 15 cost him a few bucks. But then he goes back to California, he writes me a letter. And he tells me how great things are in California. And he says to me, P.S., have you tried to stop swearing quite so much? <laughs> and I had. I had yeah. started. That was part of the transition. Yeah. I want to make sure for people just tuning in or people want me to mention it again. The name of the book is Brothers. Uh, the authors are Raymond Wilson and Bruce Richardson, Vietnam Vets, and much, much more. You can buy the book right now on Amazon. I see people uh, watching on kfan.com uh, slash watch right now who have already said, I already got my copy. It's on the way. So buy those books. Great That's Christmas presents. But get one for yourself as well so you can read their stories. Um Raymond, I want to hear about uh, your experience, if you don't mind, uh, of being shot down. But I also I want to frame it um, with the the idea, and I'm sure, Bruce, you had this a million times as well. Is it hard to believe that there was a moment you were being shot down, a million moments you were being shot at in a helicopter, but one particular moment where you're being shot down and going down? Can you believe you're still here? Can you believe you're sitting here right now? Uh, you know, yes, I can, because uh, for me, I didn't have a thought that I was not going to come home. Huh. It wasn't, wasn't a thought. I mean, I was scared a lot, <clears throat> very much so, <laughs> to the point that I shook a little bit when uh, my feet on the pedals and, 
you know, that kind of thing. But I always thought that I would make it. And um, to add to that, I had two very dear friends of mine I went through basic training with. I met in basic training. We don't have enough time to go through that, but it's in the book. <laughs> good, good. Uh, how I met uh, my, my best two friends in basic training. And we went through flight school together. And when I went, uh, when we were about to graduate, our training officer said to us, if you want to get your friend out of Vietnam, tell your wife, mother, sweetheart that you want him to be your escort officer. So Tom and I looked at each other and said, okay, we're going to do that. And that's what happened. I made it and he did not. And I got to be his escort officer. I'm sorry, I'm not sure what that is. Would you mind? What is an escort <clears throat> officer? An escort officer is a person that takes the body, Oof. the remains from San Francisco, where they come from Vietnam, and to their hometown. And you're the, um, the officer that runs the ceremony to uh, lay them to rest. My goodness. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. <clears throat> it was the hardest thing that I ever did. Hmm. Hardest thing. And then four months after that, my other friend, Steve, he died. He got, he got shot down and burned. You know, aircraft got on fire and he burned up. But for me, I just always thought that I would make it. That's amazing that, that through all that, you mm -hmm. believed. I mean, that's, that's a, the power of hope right there. That's incredible. Can you tell me about um, you being shot down? Uh, yeah, I was the uh, last aircraft in a uh, formation of lifting in troops. And we had done about four lifts of Vietnamese soldiers into this wooded area. And uh, as we were from the first uh, flight in, uh, we got shot at quite a bit. And we had artillery in between and other gunships that were firing. And on the fourth time, we were moving them around a little bit more. And as we came out of the LZ, uh, I felt a really uh, bang uh, in my rear of my helicopter. And then you could like hear the bullets go through the metal, but they were all <clears throat> behind us. And it hit the engine and the engine started, you know, running roughly. And so <clears throat> I moved out of the area as fast as I could go, which wasn't very fast. And the engine quit. <laughs> So we had about 200 feet, and there's some things that you have to do, but it's your training. My training kicked in. I didn't really think about, I looked at the ground. I didn't think about what was else was going on just to get my helicopter down safe. So we hit the ground very, I was very proud of myself, very gently oh. and all that kind of stuff. But then it kind of hit me that I was on the ground, and I was going, gosh, darn. <laughs> yeah. And my crew chief came up from behind and opened the door and said, sir, do you want to get out of this helicopter? <laughs> and I went, yeah. <laughs> so Bob, you know, climbed out. And since I uh, notified the, the flight saying, mayday, 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 going down, you know. And there's another helicopter right there. So we just ran over and jumped in the other helicopter. Incredible. Wow. Uh, uh, Bruce, I, I, we're getting uh, about five minutes towards the end of the show. So I, I want to ask you a similar question real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, again, Bruce Richardson, mm -hmm. uh, Raymond Wilson. Uh, uh, completely different types of war you and Raymond fought in. Uh, as somebody who was mm -hmm. on the ground, he was, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, nonchalantly, which I, you were being shot at all the time, uh, at sometimes almost every day. Do you find yourself shocked that you're sitting where you're sitting at this age right now? No, I think just the way Ray said it, huh. uh, I had my 24th birthday in Vietnam huh. and we thought we were invincible. I mean, 20 somethings are, you know, we, we, I didn't think I could get killed. I never dreamed Gary could get killed, but when the count was all over, I lost 33 classmates and a mm -hmm. lot of friends in Vietnam. And I know Chris, you've heard that before, Yeah, but it's, a, it's a, it, that is the toughest memory of all those funerals and everything uh, that we were part of, and the funerals that we didn't get to go to when we were in Vietnam because those guys were gone. Um, how do you how do you not how, how do you get over the idea that you're constantly in danger 
when, you know, five days after you were being shot at, you're at home again? Well, the way I tell it, I, I used to be the toughest guy in the world. And uh, I was airborne ranger. I mean, I didn't think anybody could beat me. And the guys I was with, I mean, they were great troops. And you hear all the stories, you know, how people protested and everything else. When these guys were out on the line, when, when you're out running in the hobo woods and the Iron Triangle, they are focused. And when you see that focus, uh, they're there, they're trained. And, uh, you know, as I, my shrink told me, we were professional soldiers. And, and there was nobody who was going to beat us. And the fact is, you know, when you look back on Vietnam, you say, whoa, you know, you guys lost the war. Well, we never lost a battle. We might have strategically, the country did things that, you know, Ray and I don't agree with, but the fact is we never lost a battle. We, we were in this and we were in it and we were tough and that was the way we felt about it. And I thought we were invincible. My feelings about participating in the war was that I was there for my for the grunts on the ground, hmm. I would do anything to get them their mail, get them out, wow. get them in, uh, bring them food, water, ammunition. That was my job. And I was so proud of that. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was my driving, driving force for me. And, and mine too. It was, it was lots of things we were, we had to do, but the fact is protecting those kids on the ground. That was the game. Incredible guys. I, I, Wow. I, I wish, I, I'm sorry, Max, I know you got another question. Oh, okay. I, we've got like a hundred million more, but uh, could we have you guys come back in at some point and we'll, we'll go into the other studio when we're actually uh, not constrained by time limits and just talk to you guys for a while because I know we've barely scratched the surface, not only on the book, but on your service and your lives. I mean, Bruce, the life you've had after Vietnam is incredible as well. And um, so we'd love to invite you back. We're asking you please to come back. And I know I speak for everybody listening and in the studio is what I say. My goodness, thank you so much for what you gave for all your, your fellow soldiers, what they gave. I can't imagine what you've been through, but I'm so grateful that you did. And I'm so grateful to know you today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Oh, and we do want to see Max's fit. As soon as the cameras turn off, I can show you guys. The book is called Brothers. It is available right now on Amazon. We're going to make sure we let you know when they're going to be out doing signings and stuff like that because we're going to make that happen. That is Raymond Wilson, and that is Bruce Richardson, and they are heroes, and we're so grateful to know you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. There they go. Uh, Power Trip Morning Show. That's it for the day. Nordo's in for PA next. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.